As we interact with God's word, I trust that you approach it with a desire to be a doer of God's word, not mirror, merely a hearer, so that you'll be blessed in your day-by-day living. And keep in mind also that as I share scripture, and I occasionally mention this, that that comes from a love affair, my love affair with God, with Christ, with the Spirit of God, my desire to be faithful to the text of scripture, and also my desire for you to be walking with God day by day in harmony with him. Got a question, would like for you just to think about it. Have you ever been thunderstruck or shocked out of your wits? Have you ever been thunderstruck or shocked out of your wits? What does it mean to teach with authority? What does it mean to teach with authority? Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 1, reading together verses 21 through 28. Mark chapter 1, reading together verses 21 through 28. Mark 1, beginning with verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed that they asked each other, News news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As we interact with this portion of scripture, I want us to keep in mind, and I mentioned this quite a few times, that we're dealing with Jesus, who is unique. He's one of a kind. He is the good news. He's a person. He's the son of God, according to verses 9 through 11. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit, according to verse 11, uh, according to verse 8. He has a father who is pleased with him. A voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. He is yielded to the Spirit of God. He went out in the desert to be tempted. He was tempted and able to resist Satan. He was victorious. He is intimately related to the kingdom of God being near, according to verse 15. He has authority and the character to call people to follow him. Jesus knew his identity. The identity of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is so vital. It's so vital to Jesus calling people to follow him. It's so vital to us grasping what is taking place in the gospel of Mark. And I think it is vital 
and at the foundation of Christianity. What we find in verses 21 through 28, we find Jesus acting, but it's springing from who he is in his being. Now think about the religions of the world. Every religion of the world has a founder that died. Christ is not the founder of a religion. He makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God and with himself. We live in a pluralistic world and it's becoming more and more prevalent in our own country and in our own area where people are following various gods. Just yesterday, someone stopped at my study and said, I have some literature for you. And I immediately recognized who it was, you know, who they were identifying with. And I could have said to them, who do you believe Jesus is? Do you believe he is unique, the son of God, the one in whom God is well pleased? I didn't because of a time factor. But that's one form of a religion. We have the Islam religion becoming much more strong in our area. Muhammad being the founder of that. We have Buddhism, many Eastern religions. We're told that in the U.S. we become a very spiritual nation. Spiritual in the sense that we're following religions. Jesus stands unique apart from all religions because of who he is. And that's why we can discuss Mark in a much, much different light. Because we're dealing with Jesus. And what you see in the wall has already been established to this point in Mark chapter 1. Also keep in mind that as we discuss verses 21 through 28, that Simon, Andrew, James, and John are with Jesus. In verses 14 through 20, he invited them to follow him and become fishers of men. They heard about Jesus. Now they're experiencing Jesus of being with him. Verse 21 says they're in Capernaum. And again, excuse the poor <clears throat> image. <clears throat> we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He ended up living in Nazareth. Now he is in Capernaum, ministering in Capernaum. It seems like his public ministry began in the town of, town of Capernaum, located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was located along a trade route from Damascus to the Mediterranean Sea. Archaeological evidence would indicate that there was a half a mile, not sure what technical term to use, not a harbor, but a form of a harbor built along the Sea of Galilee there with a harbor extending out 100 feet. It was well known for its fishing trade. The Jews lived primarily in Capernaum with some Romans also living there. And the Romans and the Jews at this point in time in that town got along 
fairly well. It was a well-to-do town. The Romans built a synagogue for the Jews, and that was made of white limestone that would have been brought into the area rather than the black basalt that was native to the area. So we find that Jesus is ministering in Capernaum, and it says they went into the synagogue. Now keep in mind, the synagogue is different than the temple. The temple is in Jerusalem. That's where sacrifices were offered. A synagogue is an assembly hall, an auditorium where the law or the Torah or the first five books of the Old Testament would have been discussed and would have been taught. A synagogue could be built any place where you had more than 10 Jewish men of age 13 or older. There was a ruler of the synagogue who was the librarian, who was the worship committee, who was the custodian, and perhaps a school teacher. But he was not the one who did the teaching. That was either done by the scribes or the laity at times. So we find Jesus with his four followers in Capernaum in a synagogue. And they're experiencing Jesus on the Sabbath day. They went into Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The idea of the Sabbath goes back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where after laboring six days, Jesus, not Jesus, God and Jesus rested on the seventh day. It is also found in the Mosaic Law, that they were to rest on the seventh day. The Sabbath being our Saturday. So Jesus is ministering in Capernaum on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. And the text says he began to teach. The idea of teach is to direct, to admonish in a public setting. So what a reform that talk? He may have been setting down, we don't know, but he is teaching, he's directing, he's admonishing in a public setting, in the synagogue. And verse 22 says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The word amazed means to Strike out of one's wits. To panic. To be shocked. To be thunderstruck. I remember 9-11. I was sitting in my study, which is in the back corner. And I was on the phone with someone. And that someone said... Hold it, pastor. One of the towers just collapsed. And you could hear the amazement, being thunderstruck, the awe in his voice. And to this day, when I look at a plane flying into the second tower, 
I'm amazed. I'm thunderstruck. There's shock. There's panic. That's what Jesus' teaching did. They're amazed. Remember flying from Atlanta. No, I'm sorry, from Miami to Atlanta. Years ago when we were returning from Haiti and supposed to spend some time in Atlanta. As we're flying along, just like that, we dropped hundreds of feet. And at that point in time, that plane did not have, you know, covers over the baggage areas up above and luggage. Some of that came down. That was an amazing experience. Thunderstruck, kind of struck out of my wits. That's what Jesus' teaching is doing. He began to teach them. The people are amazed. Why are they amazed? Because he teaches as one who has authority. One who has power, who has rule, who has a dominion, who has jurisdiction. Christ's authority came from who he was. You know, he is the son of God. He's the one who can call people and they follow. He's the one who can resist Satan. He's the one whom the Father said, this is my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. His authority came from who he was. The idea of authority, the word, Greek word for authority, occurs nine times in the Gospel of Mark. Six references are to Jesus. And the rule, the authority, the dominion that he possessed. And we find that he says later in the text here, be quiet. Come out of him and speaking to an evil spirit. Three of the references are to authority that Jesus gave to his apostles. So here we find Jesus in Capernaum ministering on the Sabbath day in the synagogue, and he is teaching with authority. His authority came from who? He was. The message that he communicated was basically himself. Because he was the good news. He cared deeply for people. He wept over Jerusalem later in his ministry. He communicated with deep, deep passion. And I ask myself, what was different about the teaching of Jesus and that of the normal teaching that took place in a synagogue? The teachers derived their authority from tradition, the tradition of the elders and the fathers of Judaism. Jesus received his authority from his father. There's a marked difference between teaching from the tradition of someone versus the authority that comes from God. The teachers of the law and what they taught was contingent on the authority of the Torah 
hence a mediated authority. Jesus had authority within himself. He was God's son. The teachers and the scribes taught, but they didn't live it because Jesus later on says, you know, you're whited sepulchers. You clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is dirty, it is filthy. They didn't live what they taught. Jesus lived what he taught. He was what he taught. There's a big difference between a father saying to his son, Son, do this because I told you to. Not because I don't live it. Versus saying, son, here's what I want you to do. I live this. You've seen me model this. Do it. Jesus lived what he taught. He taught what he lived. The scribes, the teachers of the law, their being and their message were not a unity. Or a unit. They were empty words. you ever hear them from someone? They're just empty words because you know they're only words. The being is not present. It would be like Hugh Hefner saying, be moral. The being isn't there to back up the words. Whereas in Jesus, his being and his message were a unit. The teachers and scribes had second-hand theology. They were in bondage to quoting authorities. Jesus had first-hand theology. He was the theology. He was the Word. The teachers of the law issued binding decisions. Wrong way. They issued binding decisions on the interpretation of the law. They would take the Mosaic law and they would say, now this is how many steps you may take on the Sabbath. And they would add to the Mosaic law, Jesus spoke God's word. The teachers of the law were legal, legal jurists, whereas Jesus was the ultimate judge. The teachers and scribes expected respect. Jesus lived as one who could be respected. The response of the people clearly indicates that Jesus was unique. Wow, who is this? What's he doing teaching like that? Where does he get this authority? There was a reaction totally different than anything they'd ever, ever experienced. They're thunderstruck. They're in awe. What's going on here? It wasn't like, well, Jesus is a little different. So when we dropped under our feet, it wasn't, well, that was a neat one. Because of the age, my age and younger guys, boy, that was neat. 
they're thunderstruck because of the authority, the rule, the dominion that Jesus possessed. If we as pastors, elders, Sunday school teachers, Awana teachers, teen leaders, husbands, fathers, have the following, we will have authority in teaching. Authority from God's word. We speak scripture. Jesus was the word. He was speaking himself. As we live and we minister today, speaking God's word. No, it's one thing when <clears throat> I came home from a date and dad said, Hey, son, you know, you're getting pretty interested in that girl by the name of Ruth Ann. You better be treating her pretty well. That stands in contrast to dad saying, Hey, Dan, you know, Genesis chapter 2 says, If you're going to become interested in this gal, you're going to leave her one of these days. Because Genesis 2 says, for this, man, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. And then he says, you know, Dan, Ephesians chapter 5 says that you're supposed to love this woman as Christ loves the church. And he read Ephesians chapter 1, 25 through 31. See, that's authority using Scripture. We can teach with authority when we have authority within, in the sense that we have Christ and the Holy Spirit at work within us. When we live what we teach, and that's not always in perfection, but nevertheless living what we teach. One of the greatest frustrations comes when a student, a child, a teenager is being told what to do, but dad is not doing it, or the pastor is not doing it. The being and the message, a unit. Who we are as pastor, elders, Sunday school teachers, Awana teachers, teen leaders, who we are as fathers, as husbands, our being and our message being a unit. The being of Jesus is clearly stated. The message is being stated, and they were a unit. Present Christ, not your ideas. Present Christ alone. Speak God's word. Live as one who will be judged by the ultimate judge. One day in the future, I as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, will stand before God and be judged for how I have taught. And what I have taught. As I step back mentally and keep that in focus, it makes a difference. and what I teach, and how I approach it. 
live as one who can be respected. The disciples, those whom Jesus healed, those who heard him, they could come to him and they could poke him, they could pick him apart, they could criticize him. And in every case, he responded in a godly way. He was one who could be respected. I'm the very strong conviction that there are several reasons why we may lose or keep teens as they move into adulthood. The reasons are the same for both. In one case, the items I list will be present. In the other case, they may not be present. A strong conviction concerning the identity and the character of Jesus Christ by those who influence teens, dad, mom, Sunday school teacher, a teen leader, a pastor, an elder, a grandparent, or an older saint. A conviction that Jesus Christ is unique. He is the Son of God. He is creator and living in light of that. Son, daughter, student, we're dealing here with Jesus. He's not like Buddha. He's not like Mohammed. He's not like Joseph Smith. He's unique. He's not the founder of a religion. There's a relationship. Speaking God's word with authority by dad, mom, Sunday school teacher, a teen leader, a pastor, an elder, a grandparent, or an older saint. <coughs> a teenager, here's something from dad. Here's something from mom. Here's something from a grandparent or an older saint, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, and they all mesh together. They have the same authority because they're speaking the same message. That's body. Live 24-7 what is taught by dad, mom, Sunday school teacher, teen leader, pastor, elders, grandparents, older saints. So here we have an 18-year-old scratching his head and scratching her head and saying, I don't know what's going on here. My dad told me this. My mom told me this. My Sunday school teacher told me this. Pastor says this. The elders say this. And they all live it. That's powerful stuff. Oh, I'm not talking perfection. But even in our failure, we live out. Because how do we respond to failure? We admit it and seek forgiveness. The being and the verbal message by dad, mom, Sunday school teacher, teen leader, pastor, elders, grandparents, older saints, being the same. So dad's on the computer, and it happens, son, daughter walk into the room, and something comes on the screen that isn't very good. Dad says, son, daughter, not sure how that came up. I certainly wasn't seeking it. It just popped up. 
You know, we don't look at that kind of stuff. You can check the computer out anytime you want, son or daughter. You're probably more computer savvy than I am. And you'll find that I'm very careful what I look at in the computer. Do you know something else, son or daughter? I get down to the pastor's study once every couple months, and I check out what he's looking at on the computer also. Because he wants to be accountable. Because we want to communicate the same message that our being and our message are the same. First-hand theology by dad, mom, Sunday school teacher, teen, leader, pastor, elders, grandparents, older saints. When I say first-hand theology, I mean we live it. We live who Jesus is. So grandpa goes to the doctor and he gets the diagnosis that he has maybe a half a year to live. And he shares with his kids and his grandkids, you know, here's the news that he got from the doctor. I got about a half a year to live. And he says, you know, God's a wonderful God. I've walked with him for years. He has walked with me through many ups and downs. He's helped your mom, your grandmother, whichever case it may be, over and over again in life. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is unique. Jesus was victorious over Satan. I've been living this theology now that as I go through the process of dying, I want to remain faithful. That's first-hand theology. Living out belief. Dad and mom, Sunday school teacher, living 24-7 with the understanding that they will be judged by the ultimate judge. Guys, ladies, teachers, pastor, I'll stand before God someday and I will give an account for what I taught, how I taught, my lack of teaching, and so on of Ruth Ann, my children, my grandchildren, and the body of Christ. In fact, my judgment will be a little different than yours because James 3 says those who teach will be judged more severely. We're dealing with Jesus who is teaching with authority and he is detraining four men who are to be teaching with authority. And this is to be passed on to others who are to be then teaching with authority. Dad, mom, Sunday school teacher, pastor, elders, living as those who can be respected. That goes a long way. When we have those in our severe of influence who can be respected, we have a father, we have a mother, we have a Sunday school teacher, we have an elder, we have a pastor, we have a grandparent, we have an older saint. We can look at their lives and say, they are to be respected, they're worthy of respect. I want to follow them, I want to walk in their footsteps. Jesus modeled that 
He spoke with authority. And the people were amazed. And we find later on that these four men, plus eight others, are given authority by Jesus to minister. But where did they learn, or whom did they learn from? Jesus, who was the Son of God, who was deity, who was victorious over Satan and the demons, and who demonstrates that in this text, as we'll touch on next week, when he says, be quiet, come out of him. Jesus is who he claims to be. And as Jesus lived and modeled his being and taught who he was, as the twelve observed that being present and they went out and they ministered, the foundation has been laid for us today to live Jesus Christ. Live in light of who he was. So that the world around us says there's something different about Christians. And the difference is Jesus Christ. He's not a founder of a religion. He is the Son of God. He's unique. He cast out demons. His Father was well pleased with him. And my question to you is, are you amazed at Jesus. Wow! He's the Son of God. He's deity. He cast out demons. His Father is pleased with Him. He's unique. He is the good news. May we never get over Jesus Christ. And what He did as He lived and how He wants to work in our lives as students, as employers, as employees, as shoppers, as drivers. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we can't fully grasp <clears throat> what Jesus' ministry looked like. But we can, as we discussed this morning, comparing <clears throat> the teachers of the law with Jesus, seeing what Jesus did in teaching with authority and the amazement that came, his casting out a spirit, evil spirit, in the text we read this morning. May we grasp that, Father, and recognize that Jesus stands far above, far beyond any religion or religious founder. He's not a founder. He is the Son of God. He is deity. He is the good news. May we day by day live in light of that in humble submission to Him because of who He is. And as we sing some songs, Father, about you and Christ being our vision, and the Lamb who is Christ. 
we want to be challenged to keep Christ central. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.